Hello, I'm Dan Benjamin, founder of 5 by 5 We wanted to do something really special for our listeners this holiday season, so we put together this special show for you. What you're about to hear is uh, the 5 by 5 Best of 2011 special. It's an extravaganza. It's amazing. Uh, and it has clips from some of our favorite moments from the last year and hopefully some of yours too. Now, this special was made possible by our good friends at MailChimp.com. Uh, I said, well, what do you guys want me to tell the listeners about? And they said, well, instead, just uh, wish all of you guys the best from them, from MailChimp.com. So from me, from uh, my main man, Jim Metzendorf, who put this whole thing together, and from everybody at 5 by 5 and our friends from MailChimp, have a great holiday season, and I hope that you have a happy and safe new year, and I hope that you enjoy the show. Mies are having trouble with the clumsy. They've got no moolah. You have a lot of you stuff know, running on your computer. Uh, I do. I I use. How many apps do you? Can I tell you something honestly? A, a habit that I picked up I, I, at some point. I must have been during the early days of OS ten. Before did the, did OS ten always have protected memory? Because it seemed like okay. Well, I believe it did. Whatever I, it had, I think it, did. it still wasn't awesome know. on my old Yosemite Blue G3. And I just always got in the head. This is the worst, by the way. This is not a tip. This is an anti-tip. This is a non-trick. <laughs> but I have, um, uh, what's it called? What's my alt-tab program I use? Um, Light Switch. And Light Switch has, this, has all kinds of cool stuff to it. But one of the things that's cool is you can go, if you hit Command, and write, you know, tab, 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 and Command FF, force quits it. Command FR force restarts it, and I got in this terrible habit. Anytime my computer would slow down, I would just get through and force quit on my apps. <laughs> and you know, I come from the day when if you didn't yeah. close FileMaker right, you'd lose your database. Do you remember that? You couldn't quit FileMaker. Yeah. You... Well, there were a lot. There were a lot of apps that were like that. If you if they crashed, you'd immediately lose everything. It was just a given, even if you were saving. So you would have to constantly make backup copies, file save it's as. It's always just a crapshoot. I do remember sand. that. I mean, I'm, with any app, we should just talk about the old days because it's it's amazing to talk about. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Let's do it. System 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 six. six oh, man. Ooh, you always want to avoid the even numbers. Remember that you're always better off with the odd numbers on system six. <laughs> I, I think probably no. Actually, for me, it was system whatever it was in 1987. Whenever my girlfriend and I broke up, and I didn't have access to her Magnavox. She has since reminded me that I broke up with her, not her with me. So that screws up my story a little bit. But uh, I used to use her Magnavox with the little orange letters on the black screen. And when we broke up, I had to had somewhere to type. So I would go to the Mac Lab, and that was it. That was the start for me. Well, and then yours was you were on. You've always been an Apple. You had an Apple too, right? Uh, I, well, I didn't own one. We used them at – I was uh, – my mom is a, and was a college English professor and she taught at the community college in South Florida and they had uh, like, you know, what do you do with a, with a you know, <laughs> nine or ten-year-old kid if if you have to teach during the summer term to pay bills? Well, you, they they had some kind of a you camp the there. So they went to camp and half, camp? half the time – well, no, that's the thing is it wasn't really computer camp. It, you just run around kicking a football and eating French fries. And then for some reason, like one hour out of the day, they had students, te- like like computer science students, I guess, teaching us how to – we could either play games or, or we could learn basic and learn to program. And I was the, in, in the group that decided to learn how to program. 
We do. You were doing basic for whatever doing reason, basic? and that was, that was on the Apple II. Basic, and and you had your choice. You could either use the Apple II, uh, or you could use the Tandy One Hundred or whatever it was. Do you the remember these things? They were TRS silver. They, I th- it was a TRS eighty, but it wasn't the the Coco. It was the I think it was like the original TRS eighty that was silver. It had the two five and a quarter inch bays, and usually only one of them would have a an actual drive in it. It had a black keyboard. It had the 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 bluish or greenish uh, CRT I screen. To, I do. It used to seem like the. Future. Do you remember this yeah, thing? K Pro. You see people walking around with those giant K Pro. That was the coolest was like, thing. Oh. <laughs> you ever seen the original Mac uh, documentation where <laughs> the big sales point they thought was going to be <laughs> the portability. And you could get that little like a vinyl case or something, so you put it under your airplane seat. It was like it was the first computer that oh, right. fit under an airplane seat. And they show, I think, if memory serves, we got to find this. But I think they show somebody riding a bike with a basket. <laughs> <laughs> I might be remembering this wrong. No, oh, that's no, no, ET. No. You're, you're thinking, thinking of. of Mac and Me. That's the one where he has the. Uh, I think he's eating pretzels. The that's transforming right. that's right. that's silver spaceship. That's no, you're, that, you're uh, thinking of Terminator Two. That was married to Charlie Sheen, and uh, we saw her boobs in that movie. What was that? Is that who you're thinking of? Oh yeah, you're thinking of uh, trading space places with uh, Dan Aykroyd. That's right. Aykroyd so the rich and, people uh, that, and the poor uh, people trade models. The lady. That's a good movie. That's right. That's right. That's Filmed the one with the uh, gorilla in the Mars bar. No, you're thinking of when Bill Murray finds the Mars bar in the Mars swimming pool in Caddyshack. Don't. No, no, no. One <laughs> no, should, do should that. we do no that on the show? On the way home from our in-laws the other night, I read the entire Wikipedia selection on sexual urban myths, and I learned about gel bracelets and rainbow parties, and I learned about uh, Mars bar parties. <clears throat> so, um, I guess, I guess, I guess, uh, my, one of my picks would be um, <laughs> the Macintosh. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a solid computer, and it fits under a plane seat. But um, for me, it was oh, but you know, just go back to one thing. Um, the see to me, FileMaker was so famously like full of voodoo there's all kinds of voodoo with filemaker and the thing is are the place i work with dave we relied so heavily on filemaker we put all our papers in there right for you know scientific stuff and anything that we ever used was in there and i had to back that back up the crap we had what they weren't optical drives what were they called they weren't cd roms but they were like one back up the hmm? crap is that <laughs> that's right prison term? it's like when you pull a stagecoach on somebody with a shiv or, or maybe you, you give them a lunch bucket on their uh, deck controller. <clears throat> you ever have a, a, a bunk crawfish? When there was no crawfish, we ate sand. You ate sand? We, we ate, ate sand. sand. Oh, no. <laughs> it was a rocky place where <laughs> you ate could what? find no purchase. <laughs> Moving on. I recommend the Macintosh. It's a computer. No. Comes out at such a great movie. Does it hold you know down? It I watched it again like recently. I'm not comedy. sure. It's not even like it's. It's really you can tell it's a young. So the, the raising Arizona, and it's and it, it doesn't really in, in some ways. But it's one of those things where unlike a lot of things you're nostalgic for, if you loved it a lot, then like it's still pretty good. I think if you showed it to somebody who's I saw it when I was 20, maybe, and if I showed it to somebody who's 20 today, I think they'd go, "You've got to be kidding me," you know. Just like I can talk to my mother-in-law about Fargo, and I can talk to her about. Um, What's her? Oh, oh, No Country for Old Men. She's also a Cormac fan. And I'm like, you know, mm. I went there. I went there with her. I was like, you know, I got to tell you, Polly, it's, my favorite's a pretty weird one. She's like, Hudsucker Proxy? I'm like, mm, I really like the Hudsucker Proxy. My favorite is, she says, not the Big Lebowski. I was like, yes. <laughs> so then we just watched baseball. 
Because sometimes you got to know. You got to just, you know, to say things. You know, you know, to say, yes, those jeans make your butt look skinny. Always, like always. Um, you know, to always say, um, uh, this is delicious, this thing you've made me. And you know, and always say, I, I, I do work with computers. And you always know to say, just drop the big Lebowski. Anyway, my recommendation this week is going to be the Macintosh. If you didn't close, it let you quit. Let's be clear, Dan Benjamin. Under the file menu, there was a button called quit. But that should have been not only grayed out, it should have been redded out. It should have been like this would be here if this were a normal program. But if you quit FileMaker, what would you say the chances are? It felt like about 50-50. You would just corrupt the entire database with no, just no sense of recovery. Yeah, I, I would I say 50-50% chance. Really? But that you was true for every like, like right now or – <laughs> not not now, but back then. <laughs> Third base. Now you got no, a 6040. Uh, referring to the program I wrote my thesis with called Right Now. Yeah, it's baseball players today. They got a lot of funny names. <laughs> um, Helix. I used to have that whole thing memorized after I saw Rain Man. Oh I tried to oh um, memorize it. The Helix was the other one. Was it Helix? Helix or Double Helix? Was it like their kind of... Pseudo relational frick. frick? Hmm. You're thinking of Frick. When he was diagnosed with cancer, he uh, essentially overdosed regularly on vitamin C and believes that huh. he cured it. Oh, cancer. I was that Watson that black people, right? What? And I mean, most of those vitamins, you pee those away in minutes. You know that, right, Dan Benjamin? You... Okay. Well, that's why L- he had Lin- to overdose. Linus Pauling is I not think. the guy who invented Linux. Is that correct? And you pronounce it Linus, but you say Linux. Okay, my recommendation Torval- is going Torvalds. to be uh, ResEdit. And the neat thing about ResEdit, that's my, my pick of the week, ResEdit is a program you can use to open up your icons and turn them into butts. Moving on, um, Ezra also asked what my thoughts are on the Chemex. I think that's how you pronounce it. It's the, the uh, kind of hourglass-shaped coffee brewer with the big wooden handle in the middle. It's all glass except for that little kind of cuff of wood. Uh, you've seen those, right? No. What? Come on. Have you ever been anywhere no. cool ever? No. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, that's right. You live in Florida. I, I live in Florida. I live in central Florida, which is a swamp. And, I mean, I used to be a CTO of, of a company in San Francisco uh, a couple, a few years ago. And whenever I would go to San Francisco, I would see cool things. But I never saw a coffee maker with a piece of wood in the middle of it. It's, it's basically a glass... It's like an, a big hourglass-shaped glass um, with an open top and I've a seen big that, wooden but handle I've ne- in the middle. I've never seen a handle, but I know the things you're talking about. Okay. Well, anyway, um, it's, it's basically a pour-over uh, fil- uh, filter method. You know? So it's, it's like a, basically a big glass filter cone. Um, you, you put a filter in the middle. I'm looking at and, a picture of it right now. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And there's, there's special filters that, that go to it that fit it. Yeah. You put a filter in the middle and you put coffee on top of it and you pour hot water on top of that and you get coffee uh, coming out the bottom. So I've never actually used one of these things. Uh, but I have used lots of pour-over methods. They're um, cheap so, too. I mean they're only oh, you yeah. know 30-something bucks on Amazon. Yeah. We'll put that, that in the link too. Said, everyone, well, everyone else who, who's not a coffee snob thinks that's very expensive for, for what's effectively a piece of glass with, with a wooden cuff in the middle. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the world of coffee. Uh, it's very nice glass. So, and they're, these look, I think this is one of the coolest looking ways of making coffee. Um, it's just, it's so elegant. I, I have a vacuum pot and I really, 
I hardly ever use it because it's so much work to use it. See, <laughs> like, I used to have a vacuum pot coffee maker. Those things are great. It, the, the resulting coffee is great, but it's so much effort. Like you, you have to really you have to stand over it the whole time. Well, this is this is was, was what I was talking about, Marco, on the last episode of this show or whatever the one one or two episodes back where we're talking about making coffee. I, I said, yeah, I just don't have to, I don't have thirty minutes to babysit a coffee maker and clean it and you know polish right. every single you know I got a three year old kid who wants me to go you know build a tower out of blocks or something. We got to get you back into the AeroPress. So I I found that I can I can make a cup of AeroPress coffee from like from nothing to cup of coffee ready to go and everything cleaned in something like eight minutes. And it mostly depended on how quickly you can One cup in eight minutes? Yeah. Eight minutes? Something like that. That's a lifetime. Well, come on. I mean, how much I can do I can do with? three shows in eight minutes. We, we've done half a question in eight minutes. Well. Eight, so. I'm just saying eight minutes, eight minutes to, to make a cup of beverage – you know, to make to make a cup of coffee, to make a beverage like that, it seems exorbitant. It seems like a lot of time. Well, it's you know, it's about priorities. And how long? If, how long? If you really you gonna... love the coffee, then then a lot of times it's worth it. Uh, I'll if, give you for that. A lot of a lot of people just don't care about it that much. You know, we're we're geeks. We care about things that we like a lot more than most people care about things they like. Most people are like, oh, I like watching TV. Okay, you know, the, <laughs> there's not much you can do with that. Yeah, I mean, I so so what you're saying is for for the person who spends two or three hours a day watching, you know, Biggest Loser on TV, they've got they, they shame on them, and they certainly have eight minutes to to make coffee. But for me, that I can't watch that show. It may, it makes me cry. Yeah, I don't want I don't want. I always when it, whenever all the really big people go home to their big families and they're all crying, it, I have to cry. And so I, I Tiff watches it. I can't watch it. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so my thoughts on the Chemex are that it seems like it's a really good pour over brewer. I don't th- people say the filter is is somehow more special. I, I don't really think it's going to be significantly different than any other kind of pour over filter cone kind of method, um, because realistically speaking, paper filters and gold filters for existing pour over methods are all pretty good and and pretty similar. Uh, so I think the Chemex looks awesome, and I think if you're gonna if you're going to really have a lot of pour over usage, it's probably great. Personally, I use like a little, um, just like a little ceramic filter cone I got from from uh, Sweet Maria's. Uh, go to Sweet Maria's; uh, they're they're a great online retailer for all the coffee specialty stuff, and they have all the stuff in stock, and their prices are all pretty good. So, um, so I, I just use a, a, a regular ceramic pour over cone that you, that you set it on top of the cup. It's basically a funnel. You put a filter in it, put coffee in the filter, and you boil water, pour it over it. Basically, a manual method of what every drip coffee pot does, um, except that drip, drip coffee pots tend to be—they um, don't make the water very hot, uh, so usually you don't really get full extraction, and they also don't usually pour the water over all of the grounds. They just kind of let the water fall into the middle of the grounds, so the middle gets overextracted, and the outside's like almost dry. Um, so that's manual pour over is, is actually a really good way to make coffee, but. I still prefer the AeroPress. We have people uh, in the chat room, Marco, right now who are buying the Chemex based on your recommendation, even having not used it. We should really make some kind of Amazon referral link. I have it. It's already <laughs> oh. there. All right, good. Um, but yeah, the, the AeroPress is my preferred way of making coffee because it it's really good and it's really convenient. Um, that's The only problem is you, you, need, you need a burr grinder, really, to to really make use of it. So you need this... You know, fifty to two hundred dollar grinder for this twenty five dollar 
coffee plunger looking thing <laughs> to, to really be good. But uh, if you're going to have a good grinder, the AeroPress is awesome. Um, and it's, yeah, everyone I've showed it to wants one. And it's like 25 bucks on Amazon. You can, you can get you can get a pack on Amazon that includes like 300 extra filters for somewhere around 25 bucks total, which is about the same price as if you bought it alone. So you get basically the filters for free. It's it's great. Now the and the AeroPress I've I've seen before, and that does make that does make good coffee. But eight eight minutes. Well, that's I mean that's mostly water boiling time. It, yeah. The actual process, like once you have boiling water ready to go, the actual process of brewing a cup is the fastest you're likely to see. It's it's probably about the way I do it. It's about thirty to forty five seconds. But what you're what you're actually saying is. You know, for twenty four bucks, that's how much this thing costs. And, and I just, I'm just adding these links to the trying to keep up with you and get them in the notes as you sure. name this stuff off. But I mean, for twenty four bucks, that's fine. But really, you're talking about spending more than a hundred because of this burr grinder. So let's talk about the burr grinder for people who don't know. If if you go into a nice, yeah, I think even Starbucks is using burr grinders. I think all. All, all commercial that, grinders. Yeah, right. all commercial grinders are going to be a burr grinder, and it, this is different from the grinder that that most people probably would have if they if they haven't spent several hundred dollars on their grinder, and that is a, what they call a blade grinder, which is really more like a little, almost like a food processor of sorts. It just has a little spinning fan blade looking thing at the bottom with curved edges on the sides that spins inside of a cylinder and chops, uh, or as you would probably say, abuses the coffee. Um, making it, uh, you know, into irregular, poorly sized pieces that are either going to be overly ground or not ground enough. Whereas a burr grinder, you put the coffee in at the top, they go through these two rotating or potentially more than two rotating burrs that have these little, you know, these little grooves. You can control very precisely the kind of grind that you get. They're much louder, uh, but they create a very... Really? No, but no, they're they're quieter. They're quieter. Okay, well, back back in the Stone Ages, the burr grinders that I had were always much much louder. I mean, I wouldn't call them quiet in yeah. general, but but usually another to another thing that's great quieter. when you've got a, a sleeping you know eighteen uh, month old in the other room, <laughs> start running your burr grinder uh, as you're boiling your water for eight minutes in the morning. Uh, so anyway, you 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 make, that. you grind this. You grind this, and it comes out, and it's perfect. It's completely consistent, and that way you know that not only are the beans that that you're using freshly roasted in your own oven, uh, but they are they are perfectly ground to go into your AeroPress. Right, and and another so consistency is the biggest advantage. Um, another thing is that with a blade grinder, no matter how long you grind the coffee, no matter how long you push that button and make all that noise, um, you're going to have a certain amount of it that's ground way too fine and is going to fall through your filter, right? especially if you're using a French press. And then you're going to have another amount that's just really big chunks that's going to extract poorly and, and result in, in weaker flavors. Um, so the, no, no, matter how, no, no matter how you grind it, you're going to have both extremes. You're going to have stuff that's too big and stuff that's too small. Um, so that's, that's very important. And another important thing is that... Uh, with with a spinning with a spinning blade grinder, they use, they're you know kind of the regular kind. You can never really get it that small uniformly. Um, like you can never get a very fine grind out of it. Um, so if you if you want to make espresso, or if you want um, if you want to use the AeroPress, or even if you just want really good drip coffee out of out of a regular coffee maker, um, a burr grinder helps a lot. Now, is, is there a burr grinder you like? Uh, one you would recommend to people? The one I use is the Barazza Virtuoso. It's two hundred bucks. I know that's ridiculous. Um, now there are a lot of other ones 
that are like 50 to 60. Um, consumer ones. You can get these like in, in regular people's stores, not in weird on, online retailers like the places I shop. Um, you can get, you know, Williams-Sonoma has a bunch of them. Um, even like, anyway, Crate and Barrel, what, I mean, anywhere. I'm sure Bed Bath & Beyond has, uh, has, you know, some kind of burr grinder in their Beyond section. Um, but it, it, usually there's, there's like a little Cuisinart one that's like 50 bucks that everyone seems to think is okay. Um, I found that if you look on Amazon at the customer reviews for this sort of thing, everybody hates their grinder. Like, and every review has somebody who hates it. But as you go up in price, people hate it less. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that really says about it. But the, the, uh, the $60 kind, like the Cuisinart one, um, it's very, very common. I've seen it everywhere. Um, it's okay. It works. It's probably good enough for most people. Um, if you are going to be a real snob about your coffee, and especially if you want to make really fine espresso – you should probably go up in in price up to like the the two to three hundred dollar range. Um, so personally, I don't make espresso. I I don't really I like getting it in restaurants with dessert, but I don't really care for espresso. I, I like really good black drip coffee. And for the AeroPress, it's it's a very fine grind, but not not espresso fine. Um, so I use the Barazza Virtuoso. As I said, it's about two hundred bucks, um, and it has it has settings on the dial from zero to forty. And for the air press, I put it on about nine or so, in case anyone actually has the same grinder. Um, yeah, so that's great. So, you want to talk about software or developing? I don't know. What What about the value of an iPhone for consolidation of devices? For example, you can take pic- very good. If you've seen James Duncan Davidson and some other people, you can take very very good pictures. I can't, but. Other people can seem to take really great pictures with an iPhone four. So there's there's that. There's the oh. fact that yes, it's it's still a phone, but there are other apps and things that you could use. I mean, it, it, perhaps do you think that it doesn't appeal to you? Is it purely the money? Because I I know you, and I know that if something was important, you could justify but that, but the expense. Just it. Like, I'm a pragmatist. It doesn't matter important. You have to say like, what are you paying all this money for? Mm. Like and what it comes down to is it's a shame that the iPhone is so tied up and like you have to get a data plan you have right. to pay for you know all this other stuff and everything is so expensive there's no there's no product tailored to my needs and my needs are so incredibly minimal like you know I just need a tiny little bit of voice minutes and a tiny little bit of data that I would probably never use um, but they don't give you that plan the cheapest you can get into an iPhone for is pretty darn expensive. Um, so if I can't get an iPhone, I go all the way to the other end. Uh, you know, the cheapest little cruddy device. I don't even know what kind of phone I have. It's it's like an ancient, you know, from the from the '90s, a little tiny screen that's got a bunch of dotty pixels on it. Uh, for a while, it wasn't even color. I actually traded up to a color one a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it flips open. It looks like one of those Motorola StarTac things, only a little bit smaller. Um, I don't even know what network it's on. I, I don't even care. I get coverage in my house. That's all I need. I get coverage at work, and that's about it. Um, for consolidation. I don't really carry a camera with me. I'm not like one of those people. Again, I'm not traveling around the town and, and doing all this stuff where I'm taking pictures of everything that I do and sending them to Instapaper and all that stuff. That's just not what I do. It's the only time in- I use Instagram. Camera. <laughs> yes, sorry, Instagram. Too many Insta products. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so the only time I would actually use a camera is if I'm on vacation. And then I have my, it's not a fancy camera. It's not even a DSLR. It's one of the Canon Super Zooms, which is kind of a middle-of-the-road, bad-at-everything camera. Mm. But it's still better than the iPhone camera. 
marginally at this point. Maybe the next iPhone will actually be worse, but it's got you know better light gathering capability, higher ISO, uh, just a bigger lens, and it's got a really big optical zoom, which is great for getting pictures of kids on vacation. I don't know what I'm going to get for my next camera, but super zooms are not small. They're bigger than an S95. They're not a point and shoot. They're kind of, they're like, pictures as bad as a point and shoot, but with the bulk of a DSLR. That's kind of the pitch for a mm. super zoom camera. But they do have advantages uh, in that they do have a really big optical zoom and they do have better light gathering capabilities than all but the very highest of high end uh, point and shoots. Uh, so the consolidation is not something for me. And plus, when I'm on vacation, I don't have my cell phone with me, I just have the camera. So that consolidation would not help me. Mm. Um, and my camera is cheaper than an iPhone. Uh, I think it was only like, well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was 500 bucks back in the day. But uh, I, I feel I worry less about dropping the camera because I've had it for, you know. But if they, if they made it so that the iPhone didn't require a data plan or you could turn the data plan yeah, on yeah, well, if I, and what, when, what then. I would, what I would want is, uh, what I always wanted is an iPhone 4 without the phone. And they keep making the iPod touch crippled. The first generation didn't even have a speaker. That really burned me. Like, no speaker? The, the original Mac had a speaker. You know, it didn't just beep. It didn't just beep like the PC. It didn't even have a speaker. And the next generation, you know, didn't still didn't have a microphone. Now, it, you know, the, the current generation has the really insultingly cruddy camera, like one megapixel or some insane. I forget what the, the what's the backside camera on the iPod Touch. It's some horrible thing. You can't use it to take real pictures. I just want an iPhone four without the phone part, and they just won't make that. Uh, maybe because they it would cost five hundred bucks, right? Because the iPhone is subsidized, so the actual cost. Uh, of the iPhone is like $600 or something like that. But I, I guess they just get much bigger margins on the iPod Touch when they can make a device for 200 bucks yeah. and they have to cut corners somewhere. Uh, but uh, you think about like the iPad. Like the iPad has the optional 3G type thing. If I could get an iPod Touch with optional 3G data, I would probably get that uh, because there's no contract. And when I went on vacation for, you know, that two weeks in the summer or something, I would buy the month worth of 3G and use it when I'm out. On, but even on vacation, I would go on vacation now at places that have Wi-Fi in the house. So it's not, you know, it's just so hard thinking of a, a place where I would use it. Now, I suppose if someone gave me one for free, I would try to ditch my dedicated GPS and use the phone as a GPS, I guess. So that's one case where I'd be using 3G data. But I'm really hard-pressed to think of an environment where I would need uh, an iphone it's just just because of what my life is and the way i live i'm going to work and school and daycare and don't have a lot of time to be out in the town really kids keep me busy it's good reasoning i can't argue with it and i think there's a lot of people who are like that if you're if you're single and don't have a family and don't have a mortgage and have much more leisure time you're like i'll blow a hundred bucks a month on this thing just because it's you can justify it in your lifestyle. You say, well, I'm going to end up using this. I'm going to be out and I'm going to use, go through my data. I'm, in fact, I'm worried about hitting the data cap limits, you know, and I'm going to use my voice minutes. I'm going to use the texting stuff and actually use what I'm paying for. I, I feel like you can justify that. Or if you do it for a living and you have to get the phone because you need to review it, so on and so forth, that's definitely not me. I don't review any hardware products, really. Uh, so... Uh, I don't know how much Gruber needs. I guess he's he goes out to the conferences and stuff like that. But you know he doesn't even leave his house on his normal work day, so certainly he doesn't need a three G data connection during those times. But he needs to have a phone just because that's you know his job. He writes about it, uh, so you got to have one just for review purposes. But I don't have any of those constraints. Hmm. At least he thought it through. Yeah, and, and uh, I will add that my wife is constantly pressuring me. She wants an iPhone to get an iPhone, and I keep telling her. Does she listen to the show? Uh, no. no, but we've had the same talk many times. I keep telling her the same reasoning, and she's less receptive to my uh, to my uh, 
rationale and logic. Does she need your permission to get one? That's how it works in marriages. You know, if you're going to have, you're going to add a monthly expense to the family's bill of, uh, you know, 50, 70, a hundred dollars. It's not, it's something worth discussing. Yeah, you'd need to talk about it, but she could still go do it. Yeah, we usually tend to have a consensus on. I'm gonna. Business. I would. I'm gonna encourage her to go pick one up. She wouldn't do that. She doesn't buy technology products on her own. Right? Yeah, that's that's the thing. She would want your say because then she'd come back with the 32 gig, and you'd say 32 gigs. Yeah, it's just, yeah. She there's certain aspects of the family life that I handle, and one of them is buying any sort of technology yeah. product. And I think she's been reasonably happy with my choices so far. So it defers to me in these matters. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you've got like wants six or seven TiVos. Yeah. She 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 wouldn't want to uh, uh, she wouldn't have an opportunity to use it either really because she has the same schedule as I do she's not constantly out needing a three G data connection she just thinks it would be cool so yeah. uh, I got her the new iPod Touch for Christmas and I think she's happy with that so far. But if they if they did come out with one where the data plan was optional or you could turn it on and off the way you can with a with a three G iPad you might you might then you might get it yeah because like I would have bought uh, a new iPod Touch for myself as well if the camera wasn't crap. So I keep holding out hope that they're going to, I keep skipping generations of iPod touches, waiting for them to get, uh, you know, to make that iPhone without a phone. So there's no compromises and I'll pay the money for it, whatever they want to charge. But so far they have not wanted to go that high end with the iPod touch. Yeah. And so they're all compromises. Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm sorry to, to disappoint anybody who was hoping I was going to try and change your mind about this. I'm not, I think those are all valid reasons for, there was a long time where I questioned whether I needed a smartphone at all. About a, about a year, year and a half ago, I was very much saying I, I would like to go down to just having a a dumb a dumb phone, a feature phone, uh, because I was very much in 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 that same kind of mindset. Uh, but you know what? I, I couldn't I couldn't make it work for me. And you know, you do there is some discretionary you know income in the budget where you say I'm going to pay for something that's, that's frivolous, uh, you know, or that's going to be my fun thing. Um, and I have plenty of those. Like I said, I, I, I don't have to pay for HBO. That's but you 11 got, but, bucks a month. But just because I watch one show on HBO or one or two shows, is it worth 11 bucks a month? I decide where I'm going to spend my money on frivolous things. And it's, but uh, I mean, you, you guys, know. you guys don't have like, you don't, you don't ever eat out, never, never eat a dinner or, or even a single meal out. Not, not frequently. You don't, no, tra- uh, you don't travel. Yeah, we're not big travelers. Like you know, we we cho- pick and choose where we're going to spend our money on on frivolous things. And so far, your definition uh, of frivolous would be like: Should we get a Christmas tree this year? No, frivolous things are things you don't need, but you just want because they're cool. And you can have a lot of those, but you can't have all of them unless you're. Give me an well. example of a frivolous thing that you would get. Well, it, the perfect example is the iPhone. I want one because iPhones are cool. Who wouldn't want an iPhone? No, but I mean, that you actually do get. Oh well. Uh, you know, HBO is a good example. I, yeah. I just get HBO because I want it. I, I probably can't justify the expense of 11 extra dollars a month, especially when shows aren't on the air. But I just get it because I originally got it because it was that free trial and I wanted to see the Pacific, that uh, World War II thing, yeah. which was not as good as Band of Brothers, but it was still okay. Um, and then I just kept getting it because I want to see <laughs> Game of Thrones and I watch Boardwalk Empire. I don't need to see those shows. I have plenty of other cable channels, but that's something that I so, say, you know what? I'm just going to keep HBO because I'm not going to order HBO and then cancel it, then order and then cancel it. It's too much of a hassle. I'll just get HBO. Um, so that's an example of something frivolous that I probably don't need that I spend my money on. Okay. The TiVos are also kind of that type of thing. I can get the DVR from the uh, cable company that would be much cheaper than paying my TiVo bill and paying for a separate TiVo and doing all that stuff. But, you know... I don't know if you call that frivolous, but I don't like the the other. As much as I hate TiVo, I hate the cable company's DVRs even more. Um, 
So that's yeah. They're much, we've 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 clearly defined why they're much worse. Can you share a handful of titles that you're reading? Not saying that you're recommending these, but just what are you reading? What are you reading right now? Well, uh, recommendations of comic books always. The, the, if there's always if there's just one, it's always Usagi Yojimbo. Uh, published by Dark Horse, U-S-U-S-A-G-I-Y-O-J-I-M-B-O, correct? Yes. An artist and writer by the name of Stan Sakai has been publishing this black and white comic, doing the, all the work, all the writing, the, the, the artwork, the, the inking, the lettering, everything all by himself for about, what, a quarter century now. Yeah. And it shows you the sort of continuity that can happen when these, uh, when comics are not produced by a committee, it's one guy who understands who this character is and will never do anything that will keep changing the character and moving him forward to make sure that the character has a sort of forward journey uh, as he goes through the years, but will never do anything like he, he will never be replaced by a cyborg because cyborgs seem to be doing well. They will never hire on this artist who's really, really hot because he his covers always sell uh, sell uh, good for another 50,000 copies. Uh, the I will... S- there's always a description of it that it goes well until I say the second thing. So I'll say the first thing, which is it's set in feudal Japan. Mm. Uh, Usagi Ojimbo is a uh, samurai uh, who has no master because his, his, his lord was his lord and all of his compatriots almost were killed in this massive battle. Right. So he has decided to not uh, attach himself to another lord, but to take the warrior's pilgrimage of spiritual health and cleansing. And he's, he's, he wanders through the villages, gets involved in... Uh, minor crimes, huge political in- intrigues. It's just every single month uh, there are. It's, it's either a single issue that has a self-contained story or an ongoing story for, that goes for six to eight issues, but which is an incredibly satisfying object in and of itself. And of course, over twenty-five years, there are ongoing things that you will. You know, he's met people that come back. He uh, he has uh, people that he's been in love with. He's been people that trust him. People that he works with. So it really is a very very broad tapestry. Now this so. That's the first thing. If, What's the second so, thing? So, uh, so I was going to say, if, you, <laughs> if you're sold, stop here or pause here so you can come back later. Go out and buy it. That's where I come to the point tell you that, <laughs> that Usagi Ojimbo is actually a humanoid rabbit. That <laughs> all the characters in the world of Usagi Ojimbo are anthropomorphized animals. But yeah. it's not like, uh, you know, he, so he eats carrots and when he goes to a fox character, the fox is always like stealing from the chicken characters. It's not, no, it's, it's not like that at all. Uh, it's more like if you can imagine uh, a really good experimental off-Broadway drama in which the actors are wearing animal masks. <laughs> that, it's more like that. They're humans, but they are wearing the guises of like animal heads. Uh, and there's a, there's, there's a basic principle that that kind of makes it more powerful. Chuck Jones himself was saying that uh, it's better, it's easier to humanize animals than to humanize humans so that once you are, uh, once the human operating system is denied uh, f- human faces to connect to, where you, you, no, you no longer think, oh, that, that, that's like this kind of character type. Oh, that's that kind of character type. Oh, that looks like Toshiro Mufoni or somebody. Uh, Usagi, all these characters you meet, you will start to subconsciously sort of imp- you'll you'll take bits and pieces of other people that you know and say oh that guy the rhino reminds me a little bit about my roommate in college and sub- <laughs> subtly it'll like that'll sort of infuse the character and actually makes it much much more powerful so it's not about like funny furry animals it's not about like s- porn furry animals either it's just <laughs> again human actors wearing animal masks go with that and and you'll move forward 
but almost anything from the, the this this uh, new fifty two uh, is excellent. Uh, the new action comics they did. Uh, I I was worried when I heard the broad strokes of what they were doing with Superman, where they mm-hmm. wanted to humanize him a little bit and a younger Superman who's not quite so sure of himself. And what they were describing seemed to be the indie movie version of oh i'm mopey and i'm emo and oh i walk around in a hooded sweatshirt and i don't want people <laughs> to see my face because they'll see my darkness right. who am i right. why was i it's it's more like this is not the, uh this is not the superman who can move push a planet out of the way with a super breath he can still stop like a, a 12 a, a, a 12 car freight train but he might get hurt doing right, that right and and he will do that because the, the freight train needs to be stopped uh, so it's it just goes to show you have to be able to embrace these sort of changes uh, in D.C. One of the most powerful things I think about D.C. Mm-hmm. is an idea that they came up with about 10 years ago, which is to formally or informally define Batman, Wonder Woman and Superman as the Trinity. And not not, not talk. There's a supergroup called the Trinity, but I'm saying this is their central Trinity of characters. Right. And in any situation, they are the grown ups. Superman is has been around for in, in in the DC universe. He's been around for a while. He's very established. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't do stupid things. And also, when he shows up, people know who Superman is and know what he's about. Same thing with Batman, and same thing with Wonder Woman. He they are the grown ups who you know, they're they're younger, they're less experienced heroes who might blunder into a situation and just start fighting for the sake of fighting or do stupid things. When Wonder Woman comes 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 down, stuff just got real. So. <laughs> With all with the, with two of these characters, with, with Superman and Wonder Woman, now they've they haven't necessarily been changed fundamentally, but they no longer have that sort of you know like when the teacher enters the classroom and everybody instantly settles down because okay we can no longer throw we can no longer we can no longer text message openly we can no longer spit soda on people because teachers now in the classroom mm-hmm. so it, you need to be available to to accept uh, changes coming in it's not so much and uh, you see editors from other publishers saying oh well the reason why you know people have this backlash against the super storyline is that people don't like when we change the character away from what he was what he or she was like when the reader first encountered them no we just don't like bad comics so if you if you change superman go ahead just make it a good change they've been making it a very good change i i have a great ability to when i find out that there's a movie i want to see i can tune out i i have like a radar and if anybody's going to even talk about it i i can tune it out and i know nothing like i did that with uh tree of life the terrence malick movie from uh earlier this year mm-hmm. as soon as i found out that he's got uh, a new movie coming out. I, I I knew nothing. All I did was look at the posters. The posters were the only thing I would allow myself to look at. Didn't see the trailer, et cetera, et cetera. And so when I found out that George Lucas is doing new Star Wars, I just tuned it out because I right. just don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> he says, Syracuse says, not only does he yell it as he throws the emperor in, he says it a few times while watching Luke get lightning. No, no. <laughs> oh, no, not really. Really? It, that actually ruins the movie. That ruins it. I saw a thing somebody did. It was like a funny or die uh, skit where they said, you know, it, it was like a parody of it. And they showed the footage from the thing. And, and it's, it's, it's the scene, you know, where he's lightning, light, lightning, yeah. what's the verb? Lightning. Zapping. He's zapping, zapping Luke. Zapping. Uh, and and it, the voiceover is just like, it's just like a Weasley guy's voice going, "Oh no, this is terrible!" Oh, right, I, 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 
<laughs> you got to right. get the link to that. You got to get the link. It's so good. It's just like, oh, I've got mixed feelings about this. I like the emperor, but I like my son too. Oh, right. I don't know what to do here. This, oh, that's enough. That's enough. All right. How about we call it even? Let's stop. Oh, okay. You better stop or I'm going to get mad. You wouldn't like me when I'm getting mad. Uh, oh, what the hell is wrong with George Lucas? Really? It's weird. I have to admit, I, I think I was on the... I was on his side, like in '97 when he did the uh, when they first re- you know did the theatrical re-release and they cleaned up some of the effects and and added some stuff. And I didn't really love the new stuff, but I I I, I was like, but if that's what he wants to do, uh, I forgave him, you know. And I know that there are the purists who are like, you just can't touch this stuff, you know, that you can clean up film grain and stuff like that and if you you know i I don't think anybody had any problem with the uh like and i I, it's like some of the tie fighters in the original movie you could see the mat the the mat yeah so you know that's exactly what you would want them to fix you would say you know what way back then we we had uh we had these great effects for their time we have found a way to make them better we're not changing anything we're just making we're just cleaning things up but like when they started adding stuff like, you know, like when they, they take the droids into uh, Mos Eisley and then it, it's all of a sudden it's a, it's a bustling city full of CGI dinosaur monsters. Right, right. I mean, I forgave him for it, though. I was like, all right, whatever. It didn't really ruin it. But, it, you know, but obviously it's just it, I think the reason people were so upset is that they could it, it's it's like a slippery slope. And this is it's so. You know, this is like the, you know, it's like a, a perfect example of a slippery slope. Where once you start diddling with him, now now he's got Darth Vader yelling, "Oh my God, that's so bad." I feel like too. I feel like too that Lucas. Yeah, number one, there's something wrong with the guy, but, and it's and that's actually a little sad. But I also feel like he's almost he must be a little spiteful, like because he's sort of. Everybody hates the scene in the 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 last movie where Vader says no, you know, when he first comes out of the Doctor yeah. Frankenstein Doctor Frankenstein chair. Everybody hated that. Everybody thought that was so such a clunker. Uh, and so he, I feel it's almost spiteful that he took something that everybody hated about the end of the new trilogy and put the exact same thing at <laughs> right. the end of. The old trilogy. It's, it's just something Vader does, people. Right, like the it right way to do know it. a lot. Like, I think he should just stop. They should just take these movies away from him, right? But if you were <laughs> going to do something, the right thing to do... I mean, I mean this sincerely, though. The right thing to do cinematically would have been to take Revenge of the Sith and take the no, take the no out. out of... Right, yeah. just have him come out and suffer in silence, you know? Do you think yeah. that he shouted no because they said, well, look, up until now, we got a real actor in here. You see his face. You can hear his emotion in his voice, and you can see the expressions on his face. And now we got him in this, this costume, so we can't, we can't tell what he's feeling. We can't tell what he's feeling because he's just a mask. So let's have him shout and, and, and just sort of, you know, that's how we'll know what he's feeling. Yeah, but that's, that's the genius of the movies. That's cinema is that this guy had this mask that was so fearsome looking and it's such a great design. It's such a great icon of Western civilization. Everybody knows Darth Vader. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just, it's just one of the, you saw the picture rec- of my kid. He's quoting the Vader line and right. the thing with it on. 
It's one of the most recognizable pieces of iconography in, in all of Western civilization. You know, people are going to know Darth Vader a hundred years from now. Yeah. No, no question about it. Uh, and one of the great things about it, though, is that in the original trilogy, he's got this mask. It doesn't move. And at the end, you know, when, when he turns around, somehow you do see the doubt on his face. Right. Like how, it, you know, that's, that's the you magic of a good it. You movie. perceive it. Right. You can perceive the doubt. It's just the way that he sort of turns his head, you know, and, and it's the fact that his helmet is sort of banged up after, you know, after the, the fight that he'd had. Uh, but he, you know, it, that's just great. It's just great cinema. It's the way that cinema is, is magic, you know, that you just see the doubt on his face. You see the uncertainty on this, you know, what was previously only a fearsome face. You see it, you see, you can somehow see another emotion on it. Horrible. Yeah. Unbelievable. It's the worst. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, too, if, if he's saying no, 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 I mean, wouldn't the emperor, what, wouldn't he be far, what, you know, isn't part of it that he, the emperor is that so the emperor is un, not expecting it. Right. He's so cock certain that he's got Vader under his control that he thinks even, even though he's, even after encouraging Luke to kill him and take his place at the emperor's side, that Vader will still stand by him because he's so under his thumb because right. of the, you know, uh, you know, presumably it's, you know, I've always thought it's, you know, who knows? He probably spells it out now. You know, there's probably like a big long explanation they've tacked in, but I've always thought that, you know, it was the force that the emperor, you know, is so strong in the force that he sort of uses the force to keep Vader under his, you know, under his leash. Yeah. That he can't resist him when he's in his presence. Well, do you have any any kind of like really open questions you'd like to tackle on this? Well, I do. This? I mean, a lot of people yeah. right now, of course, are focusing on... They're, they're, they're looking at kind of two things right now. If, if they're super geeks, they're saying, oh, cool, you know, we get a new camera, we get iOS 5, we get, uh, you know, twice the performance. They're very much focused on the hardware of the iPhone 4S, for example. Uh, yesterday on the show, you were talking about some of the, and, and you touched on that here somewhat, the, the longer ranging implications of what, uh, an, I, I guess you'd call it a digital personal assistant Siri, who you're going to be asking questions to and giving information. And the example, of course, that uh, that, that was used when, I, I guess it was Phil Schiller up there, who was saying uh, to Siri, the personal assistant that, that's coming on the new iOS 5 for the, uh, for the iPhone 4S, you say, oh, when I'm done with work, remind me to call my wife. Well, there's the hmm. implication of what that actually means. But there's been a lot of discussion, a lot of speculation, that it isn't just your, your iPhone that knows this it's actually the services that apple provides and you were talking about mm -hmm. now we're starting to get a feeling for what actually is going on in that big data center in north carolina mm -hmm. that's what i want to talk about now about the whole you know because you, you did talk about yeah. that on the show yesterday but that's such an important topic and you were saying that this is how apple is actually attacking uh, i think it was even your word attacking google or going up against google mm -hmm. uh, i'd love to hear more what you think about that Right. So, you know, th this is just still a, a little bit, you know, embryonic as a thought. But I, I believe that 
uh, with the iPhone and in fact with devices in general, we're seeing a complete shift in the way uh, we uh, users are being uh, productized. And I, you know, I, I've made this point that, uh, and it's an old adage from advertising that, you know, if you're not buying something, you're the thing being sold. And these are sort of like cliches now, but indeed that's how Google operates. That's what, that's what drives Facebook. That's what drives Twitter. That's what drives even Amazon in a way, because, you know, through affinity pro, uh, algorithms, they're able to sell you things. So essentially you are, you are a product to them as well. Um, and so the logic of a lot of what the internet is doing as, as you know, what the internet's primary um, um, fuel for growth is the knowledge about the user. It's that knowledge that's being productized and used to create commerce in the form of sales of some kind that ultimately drives the value of the whole internet. And this is quite a profound idea that we, we think of it as a, as a public service. We think of it as a benefit and it is a benefit. That's the trade-off we are making as users in that we are saying that I will grant you um, a peek into my, my world in exchange for access to all this wonderful information and all these other services that, that this, this web offers. Um, and, you know, that's nothing new. I think humans have, or I should say citizens have had a dialogue like this with government for a long time. The question of what am I offered in exchange for uh, information about myself that I'm willing to share? And, uh, you know, census is the first time that, information about people has been bartered with with governments and the census began in i believe 18th century um and w not in the u.s but in europe and um you know there was a bargain struck now look you, you tell me about yourself and in exchange i'm going to offer you more government services um later on it happened with taxation it happened with uh with the service in, in, in armed forces that people were, were essentially giving up things and getting something in return. And, and that's been going on for centuries. Um, now we're at the, at the point where we're doing this bartering, this trading with commercial entities, not with governments. And we're sort of saying things about ourselves and uh, being offered a bargain in return. The problem I see though, is that because of the, very rapid change happening in, in the technology, uh, in bandwidth, in the power of the device, the power of the, um, um, the data itself growing exponentially, that it, it's changing quite a bit the dynamics of the power, the power of um, where, uh, where the power resides, I should say, you know, the, the evolution of value chains. So to, without getting too bogged down in, 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 uh, in, um, uh, in the verb, uh, verbiage and the, the buzzwords, um, what, what it boils down to, I think, is that these devices with their sensors and the pervasiveness and, and the constant uh, companionship they offer, right. right? It's always with you. It's always on. It's always broadcasting something and it's always absorbing something from you, whether it's your location, whether it's your um, your communications and um, all manner of things. Because these things have sensors on them that computers never had. 
So all of that is going and being fed into a massive database somewhere. So mapping, for example, you know, Apple got into some kind of um, uh, controversy with the fact that there were files on the device which were available to snoopers who, which would tell something about where your location had been approximately. And why was Apple collecting this? Everybody was all upset about it. Well, they were, they were collecting it because they were building a mountain of knowledge. Okay, that's what I call it, a mountain, I mean, you know, a huge amount of data. Yeah. Um, they were using it to improve their, their um, mapping data and to improve their coverage data for operators. And Google was doing the same thing. All right? So all of these little signals are being all captured and, and accumulated and databases are being built. And, and Google has been doing it longer than anyone. Um, so what, what I think is happening is that um, the game is, I want to trivialize it, call it a game, but basically it's the, the platform issue isn't so much that the device and the software and the device are the locus of value. In other words, the, the debate has been, well, you make money on hardware, you make money on software, you make money with with the hardware, but in fact, you invest in software and all these debates about, you know, business model of, of modularity versus integration versus, you know, your, your Samsung and Nokia model versus your Apple model versus your Microsoft slash Google model and all these things. I think that's actually only part of the picture. The real picture is what happens then with the data that's being collected through these through these platforms, through these devices that's being then um, uh, assembled and managed and massaged and sold through a data center that captures it. So the cloud. So I think when you couple the device with the cloud, it becomes an interesting dynamic. And I call this a meta platform. It's it's the the end-to-end engine of, of, of knowledge capture and 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 commerce and um you know even things like now apple is going to be in the messaging business with iMessenger right or iMessage yeah it's going to be in the mapping business it is already in the ad business it's now going to be in the personal assistant business and um and by the way the great thing about you know this would be interesting discussion to go off on the side i mean this is the beginning of the device as a personal assistant and the person you know it's going to be a bad one at first right but, but this, that's this great is the first because, time it seems like it might actually work it might actually yeah, yeah. do what you know, you, people want that normally i would be very skeptical because i've i've seen we've seen ai and we've seen language uh, uh, um language recognition and understanding be um you know, these have been holy grails for so, such a long time, decades, right? In AI business going back to the 60s. Um, and, and, and they've always failed. And so, so now, you know, the only reason we give it any credit, credit, credence at all is because Apple is doing and, and Apple usually doesn't fire stuff out that is half-baked. At replies are different because I treat them like IMs. And if I, someone at replies, not at replies, uh, direct messages are different. Uh, if someone direct messages me, it means I follow them. So presumably I, I've already decided that they have some sort of value. Right, so not I, a I DM, but an at reply. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever not responded to a DM, uh, even if it's just responding by email. Or I'm going to have to test I'm going to have to test that. Now, are you one of those Except people? Except for who- you, because you, like my mother, communicate in short bursts of incomprehensible English that have no obvious response <laughs> or call to action. 
<laughs> well, I, I think I'd love your mom. She sounds like a wonderful woman. Yeah, so the box is on the screen again. Entire text. <laughs> is that is that a real one? It's like, well, so it, is this a call to action? Should I now get on a plane and fly out? Is what kind of box is this? Is it life threatening? Should I call you on the phone? And then and she'll complain that I, you know, why don't you respond to my emails? Like, I, there's not, I don't know what I could possibly say and. Trying to discover what it is I should say would be a seven-email exchange. If we could just wait till we talk on the phone, it will be high bandwidth. And I'll say, when you sent that terse email, what the heck did you mean? Let's talk about it now. But otherwise, it's like, it's like, it's like super poke on Facebook. It's like jabbing someone to get their attention, but then putting the entire onus on them to figure out what it is that you want and what they're supposed to do. So now it's up to you to reply and say, what needs do you have? Please tell me about your concerns and explain to me how my, I can help you. Tell me more about that. Okay, now I will help you. No. Well, no, nobody, <laughs> nobody has it. ever suspected, I think, that you were uh, focused on customer service. Big week, man. Big oh, week. God. I'm so overwhelmed right now, Dan Benjamin. Should I turn mm. the music off, maybe? I, I don't know if that'll help. I've been, I've been, trying, <laughs> I've been trying to talk to the... The jackals and, and the nerds. And man, that is complicated. I don't know how you do that. You must have some way of... Have you configured your application to have the IRC make sense? Yeah, I use a different... Um, I use a different like theme that actually it makes it look more like campfire. Hmm. Makes it look like... A, you, you mean, know, you mean over, overpriced? <laughs> yeah. That's what I meant. Cut that out, Jim. <laughs> That's exactly. It's exactly. I'm gonna what wake I was up thinking. with a white with a white web page in my bed. <laughs> that's actually apropos because Faith just saw that movie. Check. I saw that. Yeah, that's, I just saw it. That's once. That's good. Sorry, there's no, a little. There's a little more echo on this end because we're we're trying to resolve an audio issue where um, there's French. There's not, French doors. Where our show's not good. Where our show's not good. That's that's the issue. <laughs> well, that's another. That's all the other issue. Did you follow radar on that? <laughs> I did. I'll tangle me. Journal that. I, I'm, you know, tangle's really starting to get under my skin. I got to tell you the truth. Oh, you, you already ju- don't like it. <clears throat> um, well, I don't dislike it, but I had to schedule, as I'll tell you someday when we have a phone call again. I had to schedule four things this week, and it got a little overwhelming with the with the with the emails and whatnot. Mm. But you know, it's okay. Boy, this thing just keeps rolling, doesn't it? With <sighs> a lot of people, there's Williams. Hi, Williams. There's. Uh, I talked to some people. I think. I think I put a colon after that name and the name, and then I'm talking to them. Is that accurate? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if they can see me. So, hmm. no, they can hear you. Right, right there, right there in the IRC. Oh, yeah, they can see you in there. They can see you typing. Is it expensive for you to do that? Run an IRC channel? Yeah, with audio. Oh, push, see, push I, Dan, it. I don't yes. think I don't think yes, I understand anything you do anymore. I don't. When you made web pages, I thought I understood it. Now I'm just baffled. I'm baffled. Now, can I ask you a question? Are things are things starting to get a little more settled? I think so, especially with these rugs today. I mean, other than the, the reverb, which um, is really ki- like I don't know if you can hear it, but it's killing me right now. Like the, my, I hear the you don't hear it, Faith. Oh, this is the worst reverb. It's horrible. You mean like you get like a slapback, like a little delay? Yeah, a little bit because the, I'm facing it. See that we have these French doors, and I'm oh, going to put some in front of these uh, these French doors. It's kid. sure. Well, what do you think Versailles made out of mirrors? <laughs> Maybe you should think a little harder before you decide which continental doors you put on your house. <laughs> you know what's nice is Dutch doors. Very true. <clears throat> um, How are you? Big week. Big week for you. Pretty big. big really? What what I do? 
I don't know. It just seems like every week is a big. I've week. been. I haven't told you, Dan. I've been doing a lot. I'm doing a lot. I've been listening to a lot of hip hop hip hop music. <clears throat> I've been listening to. I've um, been buying people records on iTunes. And really, it's funny. I haven't received anything. Yeah, because you don't like music. I, I've been. I would listen today. I listen to music today. Faith walked said, in. Said, and the Corpia Sebado like, record. He sent me a Boston spaceships. Uh, Boston spaceships record. So I'm moving it around. I sent somebody built the spill record. It's it's been a it's been a '90s week. This is. Let's just start it. Can we start over? Go ahead. Yeah. Why French doors? Was that, was that part of the house? Yeah. Did you know that? Is that in the deed? Did you know there'd be French doors? Yeah, no, I like the French doors. Oh, I don't like French doors. Do they close pretty solidly? Ours rattle. When you close, no, it goes, close pock, 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 pock. I hate that. <laughs> hmm. Our house was built in 1928. Wow. Yeah. That's so, not and good. I think, I think it's the original furnace from what I can gather. Yeah. Do you our, have to our, put wood into it? Our, land, our landlord is... Not the way you think. He's a good guy. No, no, not in, that, in a mean way. <laughs> our, our landlord takes a certain amount of pride in uh, how little he spends on anything. It's a, <laughs> a phrase that I like to call old world Irish craftsmanship. I haven't had heat in my house in 20 years. Hard to tar to tar. You should cash some of those checks I keep giving you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, let's, let's just... Uh, I, so I tried to ask the nerds, you know, somewhere in here, in the, and I'm, guys, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about these jackals and nerds in the IRC. Mostly nerds, a few jackals. And I went in here. <sighs> Guru, I'm so angry right now. I, I, uh, I, I, I tried to ask them for topics for the show. I have some ideas. I'm sure you have your own ideas. Um, did, did you, uh, I looked over some of the email. Do you have thoughts on what you want to talk about today, Dan Benjamin? No. Do you just want to talk? Do you just want to not have a topic? Do you just want to rap? Those, are, rap those are some of the best shows, really. We've had those shows? If you really want to, yeah. We've done that a couple times. Usually then we wind up talking about old Max. Yeah. We can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody, nobody writes about the actual topics of the show unless it's, it's about Markdown or Max and then we get a lot of mail. Yeah. Oh, God. We get a lot. Yeah. Do you I'm still talking, read it? Yeah. You're still responding to that? You know, I stopped CCing you on all this because I thought it was noisy. But yeah, I, I, try to, I try to respond. We got some nice ones this week. Um uh, what did I capture? Oh, you know what? Some people, I uh, got a couple of things. People want a Florida episode still. I yeah, think that they probably sure do. Somewhat limited appeal for, for just so many reasons. The uh, man, you are, you are still the man from Tallahassee. Eventually. Yeah. I'm, I think of myself as a, I call it the sun coast. I think of myself as a sun coaster. <laughs> sun coast is a long wide swath <laughs> of pain that basically covers all of, uh, US 19. Now, US-19, it's, it's really grown. It's gotten very, very confusing, US-19. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You know a theme that kept coming up? I don't know if this is even a topic, but it's so broad that I'm not even, I'm not even sure it can uh, make any sense. But uh, people uh, seem to continually be interested in this notion of how you know when it's time. How you know when it's time for what? To Anything. To start it's, or stop something or both? Broad. Well, yeah. I mean, like, for example, there's the theme that always comes up that I, I worry that we've talked to death. That theme of uh, if you are feeling, uh, you, well, you know, I hate to put it as such a dichotomy. It's not a question like, do I have a job or do I go independent? It's, it's very seldom that simple, except in your, your twisted world. But, uh, but how, do you, how do you know when it's the right time to do anything? That's probably too broad as a topic. But it seems to be something that people are interested in. The reason I say this is it, it seems apparent that um, almost any kind of advice about everything is really, really abstract. Uh, even if it's kind of about you. I mean, there's a certain kind of advice, which is like when somebody goes, you know, eat your beets or something like that, which isn't really advice. It's more of a command. And there's a certain other kind of advice that says, well, you know, if you, uh, 
if you eat those beets, you'll enjoy a certain kind of, you know, healthiness and probably a little bit of weird looking poop. But, but there's a big difference between kind of commanding somebody to do something by fiat and trying to give them advice based on what you know tends to work and, and not work. So I think, it's, I think it's hard sometimes for when we try to be useful in our way. Like I think it's hard sometimes to either tease it out at a high enough pattern that it's something anybody could see as working somehow or to get it either at the other end to get it at so atomic a level that you see that it's exclusively for you. Which I think mm. is the challenge of, of self-help and advice, the whole racket in general. Do you know what I mean? I do. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to go, like, if you eat egg whites and almonds, you'll be able to, you know, make more, you know, happy sauce. <laughs> and it's another thing to say, well, you know, you should re- work really hard at something as long as it's the thing you want to work hard at. So in response to Jamura in the chat, who says, get one of those super saloon cars they're talking about on Top Gear. Um, yeah, so, well, to them, saloon means sedan. Um, what is the saloon available. car? But uh, the, uh, what, they, they've tested a few, like, super wagons. I actually wanted to ask you about wagons. What, is there any value to a wagon? Because it seems like they don't, they don't usually have any kind of additional seating compared to a car anymore. Like, they used to have a right. seat in the trunk that faced backwards, but I think those are illegal now. I don't think, do they still have those? Oh, I, I, those? I don't, I don't know. You know, wagons have kind of gone out. Like I remember back in the, uh, like, like eighties and early nineties, the wagons were pretty big. I don't even know where you would, how you would buy a wagon anymore in this country. I think they're still popular in Europe. They do still sell them, but very few of them. You know, like a Subaru makes one, I think. We considered, we considered a wagon. Outback. Yeah. Outback. I don't know. I, I, we've never really, you know, like, like if you're going upstate, what you're probably going to want to bring with you, if even if you're not staying there for more than a night or something, you're probably going to have like a pack and play. You're probably going to have a stroller. And then you're probably going to have like a bag with the baby stuff in it. And that's all you need. I don't think you need... I mean, what you've got in your trunk in the three, that's fine. I don't think you're going to need more than that. All right, good. That's good. Even for a few days. I was thinking about maybe, maybe even going for a five next time, but I don't know. That's a big jump. That's a big jump. But because because it, it does have more backseat and trunk space, but not by as much as I expected. Like I looked at all the numbers online, and it, it actually isn't as much of an increase as I thought. Um, but yeah, so you're saying the three trunk is probably fine. I think so. I mean, I was always I thought that trunk had plenty of space. And I'll tell you what the uh, in the chat room now they're saying that that, that there is. Uh, oh, and they say that uh, the Vol- the Volkswagen makes a dad wagon. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Volkswagens are good. I I'm don't not know, crazy I just, about the idea of a wagon. Yeah, honestly, I, like yeah, I just figure if I had to get something bigger than what I have, uh, I think I'd I would attempt to see if a wagon would fit my needs first because I'd rather drive a wagon than a minivan or an SUV. But I think realistically, it's not going to be that much better unless they still have those those additional seats. But those seats always sucked anyway. You didn't want to sit in those as a kid. <laughs> But I don't know. I remember being a kid, being like you know four or five years old, just sitting in the back seat at night. If if we were dry, if they were, if we were like driving home and it was like late, which meant dark, uh, that right. I would lay down on the back seat or lay down on the floor. I mean, it didn't matter. I was like a four, three, four year old, no seatbelt, nothing back there, just you know whatever. Now there's so many straps and seats and everything, and all the all the car seats. Wait until your kids are a little bit older, uh, and they outgrow. See, my, my son is, is uh, pretty big for his age. And that comes from, uh, I think, more of my wife's side of the family because her well, you're dad... you're a big guy. Yeah, pretty big. I mean, what do you bench? 
anyway, uh, her dad's like six, five. So he definitely has the height gene and, uh, he's, uh, you know, he outgrew, like, there's this weird thing that you run into where you have front facing and rear facing and they have, they have to be rear facing until they get to be a certain age. And he actually was big enough to sit front facing before, I guess the age they want you them to be front facing. And man, when we turned him around, oh, all of a sudden he started loving being in a car. I mean, he still obviously didn't sleep, but he loved it because he could see. He hated not being able to see. But uh, but then you got to get him a different, a whole different kind of seat. And and at a certain age, like the latch, you can't use a latch anymore once they get over a certain weight. So don't get too excited about uh. the latch because once they get over a certain weight, the latch is only certified. I don't remember. Don't don't like follow my advice and stop latching your kid or start latching them because of what I'm about to say. But I'm I think it's like forty. Please don't something. sue you. Yeah, please don't sue me. It's something like forty ish pounds or something. But once they reach a certain weight then the latch is, it, 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 you're, it's not recommended and you have to use the belt. And anyway, it's, oh man, car seats are, and then putting them in, what a hassle. What a hassle. Then you're, well, you're if, really going to stress this out. Little, uh, if you have this uh, Greco, Greco. Yeah, uh, Greco, I don't know. Yeah, if you have that kind of modular thing, you don't really need to bring the seat in and out a lot, right? Uh, you don't need to take, you don't need to undo the thing in the seat really at all, but uh, that that's, they're going to be out of that after... Not too long. I don't know what, what it is, a year or two, whatever. Then you need to switch to something else. But man, you're going to stress out because the way these things, the way these car seats fit into the back, they they press down on those seats because you've got to have this thing tight. When you put this in with the latch or the seatbelt, like the way you put this thing in is you climb on this seat. You climb on the seat. You st- you're either sort of standing or sitting and you are torquing that seatbelt or those latch belts as hard as you possibly can. Talk about an indentation in your seat forget about it that thing will never unindent that's it oh you can get the special pad i guess underneath it if you feel that that's still safe enough i'll uh, screw up the back of those seats nobody will want to sit there again you don't even want to know what's maybe, going maybe on maybe a few more years of leasing would be a good idea yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a really good yeah. reason to do it actually leasing is good <laughs> leasing until until your youngest kid is past car seat age yeah which is i think 10 now legally in the u.s <laughs> Like they're not allowed, like there's, there's big laws, like you can't, you know, your kids have to, and so then, then you get them a certain kind of car seat and the car seat converts into a booster seat where like the strap kind of goes all through it. And then finally after that, then they're out of it. Then they're into a regular seat. But I can't even imagine, like I, that seems so far away from me right now. I can't even imagine switching a booster seat. But man, it's so great when the kid's old enough to like run up, they get into the car themselves, they hop up into their own seat themselves, they put their sunglasses on, take a sip of their drink, and they're like, Dad, come on, buckle me in, let's go. It's so cool. It's so great to finally be in that stage. They got their Starbucks and their iPods. Yeah, they got everything going. So was there a place there that there was a stoppy thing? I feel like when you started talking about the finger in the shape of a J, we had stopped the show. That was sort of my, the indication <laughs> that the show had ended already. Do you like Marshall Crenshaw? Do you like him at all? I'm not familiar with, uh, with his work. You never heard that song? I like it. I like it a lot. You're my 
my favorite waste of time. Here I stand. I'm not gonna really do that on the air. That's really that's kind of kind of queer. It's a he's good. Go go look. For, I put it on the website somewhere. Go look for um, my favorite waste of time by Marshall Crenshaw. It's really good. It'll right. be in your head all day. Mm-hmm. Oh, I protect your next song was in my head today. That was a weird show, but there was good. There was good stuff in there, right? Yeah, I think there was some real good stuff. You want to hear some title suggestions? You think I talk too much? You want me to talk less? I, I like it when you talk. You get a break, right? You could pee. You could like. I let, I let Faith do the show. I just go out, spend time with my family. <laughs> Here's the thing: we could do that. Okay, we can make do it with you as a bot. So give give Faith like a, like a like a one eight and a half by eleven page with three bullet points on it. The top, top bullet point is make Caddyshack joke. Yeah. Number two, um, question Merlin's fanciness. And then number three, in a really fake way, say I love you too. Yeah, I could also do a soundboard. People are questioning, just... Dan, Dan Benjamin, people are questioning your sincerity. They, 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 people say. By people, by people, you. do you mean you? Mm-hmm. Alexander yeah. method in the crumble. The Alexander technique. Showbot.me? Yeah, almost That's... out of crumble. Position of strength. Um. Mm-hmm. Self-eating brain, brain turned inward, self-consuming brain, buggy whip guy. Why is her? Hmm. Sock full of pennies. Did you say that? I did. I did. That's Mrs. good. Dash. That's good. Mrs. Dash. And Mrs. Dash is good. Menaced by life. <laughs> Danny, hold the license plate. <laughs> <laughs> was that? That's pretty good. Danny, is that, was that a line? That's a line from my life. I mean, did you actually, I'm sorry, like, is that an exact my, quote of my, what you said on the show? Danny, hold the license plate? That's, yeah, that's what my dad said. Holy shit, that's good. Yeah. I like that one. <laughs> it sounds like, hang on a second, let's see here. Oh, boy. It sounds like a terrible Irish folk song. Things were not going great, Danny, hold the license plate. <laughs> oh, we work in mines, we work in mines, we work in mines, we work. Danny, hold the license plate, drink and drink and drink. Toasters. You want to try to- Let's try toasters. Then we'll be done. Yeah. Then we'll wrap it up. All right. I can try to fit toasters in. I, Marco trying to steal my toaster thunder in his show. Like, I, I can't have one topic to myself. People, all the people got to talk about toasters. Oh, I think he was just so excited. And the fact that you brought it up and didn't ever really explain the toaster, you didn't really yeah. say. So, yeah, all right. I'll try to get through toasters. So, first of all, this is about toaster ovens, not about slot toasters. I'm not a slot toaster person. I don't know if slot toasters are in such a dire situation as toaster ovens are. Uh, but this is not about that. So if you're interested in slot toasters, find, find a dedicated slot toaster podcast. Uh, so for toaster ovens, I, I don't have lots of demands of toaster ovens. Like, and for most of my life, this was something I didn't think about. My parents had a toaster oven. It was like a little Black & Decker thing. I'm assuming it costs like 20 or $30 in the 70s or 80s or 90s or whatever they buy it, right? And... Uh, all I really want is you can put some bread in there, which is like, you know, just basic toast. And it toasts the bread and gives it back to you in some reasonable amount of time. And for most of my life, that was true. And now as an adult, when I when I got my own, you know, my first apartment and my own house and stuff like that, I'm going to buy my own appliance. I'm going to go to a store and buy a toaster. The very first toaster I bought right after I was married, uh, I guess this was in, in 97, 98, something like that. It was perfectly fine, but like, you know, if you buy a cheap toaster for 20 or 30 bucks, eventually they, you know, get old and disgusting looking. And, and I don't think this stopped working, but at a certain point, they're just kind of grimy and you want to get rid of them. 
Uh, so then I went to replace that toaster with another toaster. And I said, well, here are my requirements. It's a toaster oven. I want it to fit four slices of sandwich bread, just regular-sized sandwich bread, so it's a little bit bigger than the smaller toaster I was replacing it because the smaller toaster could fit four slices, but they were kind of squished. So I figure toasters seem to be getting bigger these days, so I'll try to find one that can fit four uh, pieces in there. And I picked one out of the store. It looked fine. I think it was actually Black & Decker or something. And when I brought it home, I realized that they had toasters had somehow changed. Some some point during 98, 99, 2000, 2001, toasters had got, had gone through some kind of revolution yes. in a bad way. They're they're much bigger. They have convection built in. I, know. I found one that was a reasonable size, but you know, first thing was the interface. I was used to a dial for for brownness, and it would show like light toast, dark toast, and you would turn that dial to whatever you wanted, and then a lever. You push the lever down. And you wait, and when the toast is done, the lever pops up and it goes ding, and then you know your toast is done. Right, and and, and it has a big a big glass screen in the front, so you can look you can right. look right through the little window and see exactly and what's another, going on. Another dial for temperature, like when you want to do the baking thing, you know, where like temperature of you know two fifty, three fifty four right, for making your baked potato oven, for the oven portion, right? Yeah. And I never thought about this interface because it's like you know, well, whatever. It's a it's a push down thing, a, a, a dial for toast brownness, and then a temperature thing. But everybody seemingly overnight decided that this was not a good idea. And they switched to, for toasting, instead of having a lever that you push down, they either switched to buttons or dials, both of which are horrible, especially the dial, because they would have you turn the dial to, you know, the dial would go to like, you know, all the way, turning the dial all the way around would be super dark and turning it halfway would be a little bit. And when you let go of the dial, then the dial would begin to slowly turn back to the initial position, usually going tick, 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 like a timer, you know, like the old-style kitchen timer where you twist the little knob and, and it turns, right? Now, the first problem with that is when you got a toaster, you figured out, like, this piece of bread that I buy, when I put the dial on this amount of brownness, it makes perfectly makes toast perfect every time. And once you dial that in, you never touch the toast brownness dial again. You just press the little lever now. So you, you know, open up the toaster, throw pieces of bread in there, press the lever down. There's no thinking about it. Whereas the, these new toasters, every time you want to make a piece of toast, you have to turn the dial and remember, oh, I think this was the part where it came out the right amount of doneness for me. Or maybe I overshot it a little bit. Or I'm in a hurry. I put, you know, if you overshoot, then by the time it dings, your stuff is, is you know, black. Or if you put it too low, you go in there and you open the toaster and pull out your bread and it's not even toasted yet. So this was a big, big step backwards in toaster design. And I have no idea why they did it. I, is the technology for levers lost in some sort of cataclysm and the guy who knew how to make the lever is gone and they had to use dials and buttons? I don't know. <laughs> so the interface, that's, that's the first problem. The second problem, oh, I, I, and one more thing on the dial, that ticking noise, it's no good. I don't need that in the morning. It's like yeah, a ticking You don't want that. You don't I want to press the dial down, it's silent, and then it goes ding when it's done. That's it. No tick, tick, tick. I actually returned toaster that I got for Christmas because I was complaining about toasters. Someone got me a new toaster. I returned it because of the ticking dial. I just cannot, no ticking. It's another noise phobia issue thing, I guess. But I don't want that in the morning. I don't want ticking toasters. All right, so the second problem is that we also seem to have lost the ability to make a large amount of heat in a short amount of time. Now, I remember when we bought our first toaster, I saw like in the periphery of the more expensive toasters that they were employing some sort of booster device like a halogen element or some other additional element on top of the regular heating elements they had in there to make it heat up really, really fast. And I'm like, boy, this is great. Maybe by the time I buy my next toaster, this technology will have advanced into the mainstream of $35 Walmart toasters or whatever, you know, where everything heats up really fast. But what happened instead was that all toasters now take a year and a day to heat up. You cannot buy a fast toaster seemingly at any price. And I guess some of it has to do with the size increasing. 
but I've bought small toasters too. You know, you turn that stupid dial and you realize like it's going to be 15 minutes until these two slices of bread get toasted. What is this toaster doing? You look in there, the elements aren't even glowing. You know, you just want to give it more power, Scotty. You know, <laughs> it's just, it's not the way stuff should go. When I, was, when I was a kid, it should have seemed like toast took longer to come out. Now that I'm an adult and more patient and my life is slipping away from me like grains of sand, that toast should be done instantly. Instead, I find myself going back into the kitchen, looking at the stupid thing, going, you're still not toasted? Come on, heat up. Now I preheat the toaster. As soon as I come into the kitchen, I know I'm going to have toast. Immediately turn the toaster on. Get the bread, get the orange juice, get everything else. Now the toaster is preheated enough that when I put the piece of bread in there, it's in there for an acceptable amount of time that I don't feel like killing myself when you know I'm sitting there waiting for my toast. <laughs> All right. Now the final problem is its job is to make the bread hot and toasted on both sides. And every toaster I've gotten for it's like four or five toasters and 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 you know the period since uh, 97, 98, 99 has not toasted the bread evenly. They toasted too much on one side, they toasted too much in the back, toasted too much in the front. This this technology must exist to toast bread evenly for my entire childhood. You put a piece of bread in the toaster, you push the handle down, it dings, you get a piece of bread that was toasted on both sides evenly. And now you cannot buy a toaster that does this. I cannot handle it. And, you know, so then I start shopping and like, like Marco is, you know, the high-end toasters. Like, do I want to pay $180 for a toaster? Well, will I feel worse if I buy a $180 toaster that doesn't toast bread evenly on both sides? I think I probably will. So I keep buying these $40, $50, you know, $60 max toasters and giving them a try and they all stink. Mm-hmm. I got the perfect toaster now. Insulation was bad when I was a kid as well. Uh, but these days I feel like you should be able to have a toaster that does not melt everything around it. You know, just like a thermos type material. I just want some form of insulation. Obviously the toaster is going to get hot a little bit, but these things bleed so much heat that they can end up melting their own power cord in the, in the back of the toaster when it's pushed up against the, the wall on the countertop. And that's, a, that's a dangerous situation where you have electricity going through a wire. That's now the mel- the rubber has melted off of it and the metal is contacting the metal back of the toaster. I have my cord wrapped in tinfoil behind there to try to protect it against this heat. You know, and, and I also think that a lot of that heat that's that's bleeding out of the toaster through the sidewalls is the heat that's not going to toast my bread that's taking forever to toast. I've got a great toaster right here. It's amazing. Does all it does all the right things. Is it a slot toaster or an oven? It's an oven. You should time it and see how long it takes from a cold start to put a white piece of white bread in there, which I know you don't eat anymore, but go find one, and you know. Press the lever for toast. I know it probably doesn't have a lever. Turn the dial to toast the, the correct amount and then time it and see how long it takes. How long would you like it to take? I, I was thinking about timing my own to see what I find unacceptable. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know in, in absolute time. I just know what too long feels like. And every toaster I've gotten for years has felt too long. So what? It, what is too long? I don't know. I'll have to time my toaster. Maybe that'll be a follow-up in another show. I'll yeah. say I time my toaster and saw how long it would take but but seriously it Man, shouldn't I be like the toaster and and like i said mine doesn't matter how long it takes it toasts one side way more than the other and the side that it toasts is the bottom so to tell if my toast is on i gotta bend down and look up on an angle from like the floor of the kitchen to see the bottom of the toast uh, you know the dark bottom of the toast to see if it's actually done because if i wait for the top to be done the bottom will be burned now this one is perfect this one has none of those problems this see, is, like is it the 180 toast. model like marco's it it was it was I don't think it was that expensive because it doesn't ha- does not have convection which I I don't want convection. Yeah, in my I don't touch. want any of that. I don't want I don't want convection. I can't have one that has the big bulge in the back so you can put a pizza. No, nope, this there. doesn't anyone, have that. This doesn't. Anyone have that. who's cooking pizza in a toaster, by the way, you're going to Italian hell. Don't do that. <laughs> or Italian, as you say. 
That's what you say. The, yeah. This does not have that. It doesn't have the big bulge for, for a pizza. It does, it does a great job. It, ha, it has dials and buttons as opposed to like the little push button digital LED type stuff. Can you dial in the brownness and then never have to change it because you figured yep. out this is the correct brownness? Yep, yep, yep. You can also dial in a time instead if you want. My wife picked this thing out. She's a pro. Because that's what I want. I want to be able to open the thing, throw a piece of bread in there, press one button, dings, come back, I get a piece of toast out, and that should be a short period of time. You can do I don't all feel that. like I'm asking for too much. You're not. You know? You're not. And, and, and I don't want to know what happened to toasters. What I think maybe happened is that there was one generic model of toaster for a long time. Yeah, like, like it was like a little Black, black & Decker, yeah. At the market cornered, and then in an explosion of new toasters from new vendors, like that looked different, or they had to differentiate themselves. So it was like, now that the world of toasters diversified and they were being made by new companies and, in, in, you know, foreign countries and, and all sorts of, you know, different colors and styles and digital and not, and, and they sold new units through diversification of appearance, like through fashion basically, and through differentiation on, on uh, features and stuff. But the quality of those toasters were all much worse than that one black and Decker model that it had like a decade of development into it and it had settled down into, you know, doing the basics really well. And the sad thing is even Black & Decker doesn't make that basic Black & Decker model anymore. Like they, they, they do still make like a $20 toaster, but I think it has dials at this point and it might have a curved front. Uh, the, the technology of toasters hasn't advanced. Like I had expected a future toaster to have like guards on all the elements so food drips down on them. It doesn't burn to the elements, but those guards shouldn't stop the heat from coming and it should have a booster element to get really hot really fast and it should be nice evenly. Heat. You know, they didn't get better over time. They, they got worse and just more diverse. Worse and more diverse. He was creepy. Yeah, I didn't like how it looked like he had bags under his eyes. He had very dark eyes. He looked kind of like a zombie almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's a a forensic specialist, and he could make it look like a suicide shooting you from, uh, what do you say, Dresden? Stuttgart? He picked some other city in Germany. Yeah, he's like, I could shoot you from a suit guard or something. Stuttgart. Yeah. Right. Right. I have a good memory. Yeah. And how did James Bond get him? How did he trick him? He he gave him the phone, and then he was like, press that button, and it'll unlock the car. And then he pressed it, and then he'll be like, and he shocked him. <laughs> right, it shocked him, right? <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. That was very cool. And it was definitely, uh, I thought, you know, right after one of the most original things in a Bond movie, this death of a co-star who you really don't expect to die. Like the Bond, you know, the, the, the good Bond girl almost never dies if she's a big name. Um, then they do something which is a total wink and nod to the office's familiarity with the, the genre, which is this gadget that Q has explained to him. And you know exactly what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. You know that the phone's got a shocker. Uh, that the gadget that Q gave him 20 minutes ago is going to save his life. It just happens to have just the right uh, gimmick that, that Bond needs to get out of this. Then this is where the movie starts to kind of turn. Right. Now, just for the record, one thing I wanted to mention, last, last week when we were talking about Goldeneye, you know, I, we were mentioning the special effects in the beginning with the plane and the tower and, and them being kind of cheesy. The, this one, I mean, I, I'm not... I'm not sure if they actually used real jet footage or whatever, but it looked great. And the bombs and everything great. in the beginning, it looked great. Yeah. yeah, it looked great. 
Yeah, and for two years later is a huge upgrade in special effects. I thought. Yeah, I think maybe that's from the mo- from the money Goldeneye made. You know that that be- because Goldeneye was made after these unsuccessful ones. I don't know. It definitely looked better. Yeah, I don't think the movie goes downhill yet. I still think it's good, and I like the um, the Chinese secret agent. I like the idea that that he's working with uh, you know this woman from China. Uh, I thought the motorcycle chase was actually full cuffed in an awkward way, so they can never really get comfortable sharing the the motorcycle. I'll get. I forget how they're handcuffed though. I think they were handcuffed like uh, his left hand was to her right hand. I simply forget how they got handcuffed. Oh yeah, how did they get handcuffed? Who handcuffed them? I don't know. I don't even. I don't remember anyone putting handcuffs on them. It was when they got captured at Carver's media thing, and then they were handcuffed together, and Carver explained his plot to uh, destroy the world, and he was about to leave. I don't like the part when the bad guys explain their whole plan. You don't like that? Keep it secret, dude. <laughs> Jonas, what is, what is Tuco's law? When you want to suit, suit, don't talk. Exactly. And did they break that law in this movie with James Bond? Pretty much. Right. Just shoot him. Just shoot him and you'd get away with it. I like the I also like the part when when they had that machine that looked like a bionic shark. Where it just drills through the sip. Oh, you're talking about it at at, at the beginning. Yeah, when there's like that thing with the drills. Yeah, we didn't right. even talk about the drill. Right, that it's like a torpedo that looks like a mechanical shark almost. Right, and they can dry, it chews up the the ship as it drives through, and they just drive it from one part of the yeah. ship to the other and chew up the whole thing and sink the whole thing. And then at the end, I like it when um, the old guy gets chopped up by the shark thing. Oh, where he gets all chopped up? Yeah. I wonder if Elliot Carver has a Elliot Carver was his name, not Anthony Carver. I wonder if Elliot Carver is a little harder hearing because I feel like after Bond set set that uh, that drilling torpedo towards him, didn't really seem like he t- turned around when this crazy drilling torpedo was coming around him until the last second. I wonder if maybe he needs a hearing aid. Mm-hmm. I think, and then I think um, James Bond was like, um, "Yeah, look around, look behind you," and he was like. Ah! <laughs> what did you think of the motorcycle chase? I thought the motorcycle chase was pretty good. That was a great one. Yeah. And I thought that the stunt where they jumped over the building, over the helicopter, I don't know how they did it, but it looked good. I mean, who that knows? Had to be real. That was real, right? I don't know. I don't know. It, was, about this. it looked really good, though. And it was sort of a new setting, the whole Chinese thing. I don't think that he'd ever been in China before. Well, right? we know he'd been in Japan. He's been in Asia before a number of times, but this might have been the first one for China. What did you think of the uh, the, the Walther P99 replacing the PBK? He's been lots of different. He's been in lots of different countries in his movies. You're right. Yeah. What did you think of his new gun? Did you see that he took a new gun, but instead of getting it from Q, he took it from from China? Yeah, and and then when he saw, it, he was like, "I've been asking Q for one of these." <laughs> yeah, I'd be worried if I were him that it was a Chinese knockoff, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which gets right back to... Uh, the fake Chinese, uh, yeah, Apple Store. Yeah. I trust... You know what, though? I trust him to, to be able to identify a Chinese A real song. gun, yeah. Yeah. I, I take it back. There's no way you could fool James Bond. <laughs> what about when she wanted to drive the motorcycle? It was weird. Right. Who who, and, who and should I, get to drive? I even said, let James Bond drive. 
It'd be weird. I haven't, haven't heard driving. Now, now this is where Jonas and I, I think disagree though. I thought that the end scene where they had to blow up and destroy the stealth ship, I thought it got boring. Jonas, what did you think of the end when they blew up the ship? It was cool. My favorite part of the ending was when uh, the when it was when they blew or when they um, blow up that guy that guy's leg in the end where they put the explosives on the missile. Ah, right, and right, right. James Bond's in a fight and he he like kicks a thing that makes a big heavy thing come down and pins the yes, guy's leg. It's the missile. Yeah, it's a missile. He pins the guy's leg with a missile. Plus, you've already put the explosives on, and it goes like T-minus one minute, like three seconds or something. Right. And then I made a joke that that's going to cost medical bill. <laughs> <laughs> jo- yeah, Jonas' joke. joke is that that guy's health insurance is going to go up. It would. He's going to pay a big medical bill. My thought was that he missed an opportunity to make a joke about giving him a hot foot. Mm. It didn't. Get, I like the part when that they they showed they, um, they showed the scene where that girl was climbing up the ladder. Like he was climbing up to the ladder, and then she was climbing on the ceiling. It was cool. You mean when she had the grapple thing on her belt? No, remember that scene when she was climbing up the ladder, and then didn't didn't you see that scene where she was like on the roof of outside of the building, the ship? Oh, I think I do remember that. Yeah, I remember. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I like that part. Yeah. And I also like the part when she was walking down the side of the building. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too when they were escaping, trying to escape from that. Uh, from that uh, the media center, and she had that grapple thing. To me, it looked like the, the mall. It looked like the mall. <laughs> it did kind of look like the mall. Like the escalators and stuff. <laughs> That's right. Well, what do you think of the ending, Dan? You know, I mean, to me, really, this is this this is the same thing that we've talked about before, and and, and that is. The first half of the movie, the setup, all of that is great, and it really was great. And then at the end, you know, it's like a typical super spy, you know, big explosions, all that stuff. Uh, you know, it was okay. I mean, not to disagree with Jonas, but it wasn't the best ending. I actually liked the ending of Goldeneye a little bit better. Mm. I, don't, I don't really remember the ending of Goldeneye. The ending of Goldeneye, remember when he got in a fight with that guy who used to be a double O agent? And then he beat him up, and he fell all the way down. I off. didn't really like that. <laughs> and then the whole that wasn't really good. The whole thing fell on the guy. Yeah, and I liked the part when he was like, "I am invincible." That guy with the glasses was like, <laughs> and then he stand up and he stood up, and then he was like, "I am invincible." And then his like these things went off. And then he got frozen, and then I was like, no, you are frozable. <laughs> That's exactly right, Jonathan. You're right. right. That like is the, right. I like that one scene in the end. Yeah. The rest was kind of lame. Hmm. So which movie do you think you like better? This one, Tomorrow Never Died, or Goldeneye? Tomorrow Never Died. I like hmm. the explosions. Yeah, they look better. Well, next, next week, Jonas, it's The World Is Not Enough. That's the name of next week's. Have you seen that one yet? No. 
No, no. He's all new to the Pierce Brosnan uh, Bond. Okay. Has not seen any of them. Well, I hope you like it. Yeah. You, you know think- what the world is not enough? Do you know where that comes from? It's been referenced once before in a James Bond movie. It was referenced in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Now, that's the one with the James Bond in a skirt. <laughs> I don't think that one. Um, it's the Bond family motto. That one was torture. When, when Bond goes <laughs> to the guy who, who what's, what do they call those guys? The genealogist? And he says, "Your, you know, your family's blah blah blah, and your family here's your family coat of arms, and the motto, your family's motto is the world is not enough." Right. All right. Well, next week sounds we'll, like a show. Yeah, we will be back next week to talk about uh, the world is not enough. Finally, another one that's available on iTunes. In fact, all of the rest of them are available on iTunes. And right. uh, somebody told me that they're going to be airing them on cable tv this weekend sci-fi sci-fi has it all right so if you're a cheapskate you can run them all you can watch them all on sci-fi yeah with commercials I think you're gonna get stuck watching commercials though sci-fi yeah. is one of those networks with commercials right yeah that's all right so uh so that's it for the show so we'll be back be back next week right yeah all right well, thanks been... for being here jonas yeah thank you jonas jonas do you think you'll come back for future shows do you think you'll ever be back again maybe well, i hope you i hope you come back again Thank you. Have a good week, Jonas. Okay. Bye. Bye.